Welcome to Among Other Things, the podcast about everything. I'm your host, Trent Ashcraft. This week, I sat down to get an education from art teacher Brian Harmon. He taught me all about the fascinating world of cosplay. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. But before we jump into it, please take a moment to make sure you've subscribed to the podcast, you've given us a five-star rating, and you've shared it on all your social media. Thanks so much for your support. Here's my conversation with Brian. He's a teacher, he's a cosplayer, and uh, from what I can tell, uh, all-around artistic guy, my childhood friend, Brian Harmon, joins us here today on Among Other Things. Welcome, Brian. Oh, thank you very much. You know, Brian and I have known one another for as long as I have been alive. Um, <laughs> we, um, we haven't spoken face to face or zoom to zoom in a long time but brian and i went to the same church growing up uh his grandmother took care of me when i was a little runt and i called her grandma so we we share a grandma even if yeah. we're not related Absolutely. And, and i i guess we could say we were neighbors i'm not sure what the radius is for uh, i would accept that yeah I could Definitely. see your your pool from my house, so that counts. Yeah, that counts, absolutely. <laughs> so it's good to see you. It's good to catch up. And uh, a number, you know, a coworker and I started this podcast a couple years ago, and we called it Among Other Things, the podcast about everything, because we talk about whatever we want to. Um, and then we took a break for quite some time, and then I relaunched it recently with the goal of talking to people who I know who do interesting things, whatever that thing happens to be. And Brian, you do a lot of interesting things that I don't know anything about uh, that I'm looking forward to learning about today. Well, so I, you're I, appreciate, a, I appreciate being counted among the interesting people here. So I, I'll look forward to talking to you about my things. <laughs> well, first of all, something you and I have in common is that we are both teachers, uh, and uh, you are an art teacher, and obviously a lot is being asked of teachers right now in the state of Kentucky and across the country. Um, a lot of us are teaching online, NTI, or at least partially online, but of course here in Kentucky now, everybody for the foreseeable future is online. What has teaching art been like in terms of having to do that through a computer? Um, <laughs> it has been an adventure. Um, I actually today got a Thanksgiving note. One of our English teachers was having their seniors write Thanksgiving notes to their teachers. And one of them said, thank you for showing us how to laugh through the virus. I think that's kind of how I've approached it because um, it's, it's not going to be normal. You can't mm -hmm. teach sculpture through a computer the same way you would in person. So yeah. it's been a lot of, a lot of guess and check and just kind of figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. So have you, I'm sure there have been um, projects you ordinarily do or units you ordinarily do that you've had to either scrap completely or completely reimagine uh, over these past well, since you've been informed, you've had to go online. 
Oh yeah. I mean, before we went online for real, all online, we were doing a hybrid model where half of the students were in class and half were online. And actually that was proving to be even slightly more difficult, I think, because I wanted to have the people who were online doing things, but then the people who are in person being more hands-on and getting to do more traditional what I'm used to. So finding a balance between the two of them was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. So yeah, there was all kinds of projects that I usually do that I had to find a way to make it plausible to do at home with supplies that students have. So I found mm -hmm. new respect for like old crayons and things like that that kids could just find at home. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing about teaching is um, you're, you're always going to be asked to do, like you don't have the option of showing up for work <laughs> and saying, no, we're just not going to do anything today. Like you have to. And so, yeah. um, and so um, I think one of the, the kind of the muscles you have to have as a, a teacher is the, uh, the flexibility muscle to to roll with the punches and and take whatever whatever challenge is handed to you and 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 make the best out of it because if you get too stuck in your ways even during normal times uh you're going to something's going to come along that's going to throw a wrench in your operation so this is maybe this is a great learning experience for all of us making us better teachers it's absolutely i mean i will have fallback lessons in my back pocket for many years to come so yeah i always wanted to be one of those one of those uh famous youtube history teachers so i think i'm <laughs> i'm building up qu quite the poorly edited catalog well on your way <laughs> yeah so well one of the reasons why i wanted you to have you on the main reason is because uh you're involved in something that i know nothing about but that I'm interested in. Um, I am not an artistic person. Uh, I am, but I, I am, uh, I think it would be fair to call me a little bit of a nerd or at least nerd <laughs> adjacent. And one area where those two worlds were art and the world of uh, sci-fi and comic books and all that come together is in the world of cosplay, which is something that I had, I didn't know was a thing until a couple years ago. Could you explain to everyone what is cosplay? Well, um, cosplay is a mashup of costume and play. So it is basically glorified dress up for fun, I would mm -hmm. say. So um, basically it is people that get together and usually at conventions is where it's going to happen the most and dress up as their favorite characters from pop culture. Um, there's a wide variety of the way people do it. It can be from people just purchasing costumes and wearing them all the way up to people making every single stitch that they are wearing. And then people wear them for fun, for photo ops, to meet celebrities or to compete. Okay, so we're gonna unpack all that then. <laughs> uh, first of all, because I, I wanna get into this competition thing uh, uh, later. Um, when, when I first heard about people dressing up, and, and I, I apologize if this comes off kind of, I don't know, like I'm, like I'm uh, looking down my nose. I heard about people like going to Star Wars at midnight 
you know, for the, and, and dressing up in, in outfits or whatever to go to a movie. And that Absolutely. was kind of, that's kind of what I thought it was, was people just dressed up to, to go out. But what I've come to learn is that this is not just, this is serious stuff for a lot of people. But they put <laughs> a lot of time, time, effort, <laughs> and money into. How yes. did you, uh, were you showing up at a midnight premiere or did you, what was your way of getting into the world? Of, of cosplay. Um, I got into the world via my son. And that does not mean that he invited me into the world. I kind of forced him into the world and used him as my own personal guinea pig. Um, when I, <laughs> I attended Comic Cons for a while, I love Comic Cons, I love comic books, I had subscriptions to all of, all of the X Men books all through school and everything. So I was all into Comic Cons from that. And I always, looked at people wearing costumes and enjoyed their costumes thought it was fun but i was not willing to jump in myself and once i had a child that i could take to comic cons with me he was basically a very small version i could make costumes for and could make him wear them and i wouldn't feel weird mm -hmm. so that that's really how i got my start i had i started making costumes for him when he was about six and that's how I got started. And then once I got my footing with him, I graduated into making things for myself. And I assume, I mean, I've got a six-year-old right now. Um, any excuse he has to put anything on, he's very enthusiastic about that. I assume oh, absolutely. your son was the same way. Yes, he was a more than willing model. So you, you mentioned uh, conventions and competitions. Um, how... Have you competed in co these competitions? Yeah, that's another thing for me. I am a natural born competitor. I mm -hmm. tell my students that when my wife and I go to the store, I race her to the car without her knowing. And then I'm like, ah, I beat you. Like I just naturally <laughs> just, I naturally want to do everything I do to a competition. That's how I am. So for me personally, I really enjoy the competition aspect of it. Um, not everybody does. It is. <laughs> I feel weird. I am self-aware to know that I am very much in the geek lane here when I say this, but there is um, high stakes competition among we geeks who make our own costumes. And so um, when you compete, it is very, it's very specific. Like they do things called flipping your seams where they actually take the judges come up to your costume and turn it inside out and look for the way you finish it on the inside and everything. It is high, high quality competition. So yeah, I do compete. It's one of my favorite parts about it is getting on a stage and showing off what I've done. So, so this is not a, um, I'm assuming there, there are rules. If, if, you, if there are judges involved and they're, they're flipping seams and they're looking for things, then, then this is a, a formalized standardized thing oh absolutely that, it, that everybody <laughs> has agreed to the same set of rules to yep there are rules there are judging criteria there are rubrics there's all kinds of stuff and is there like um is there like a league or some sort of a uh a, a, a sanctioned are there sanctioned competitions versus non-sanctioned? There are. Um, if I, I mean, if you'll indulge me getting on my little fun thing here, I'll explain it to you a little bit here. Okay. Basically, there are there are different types of contests, and there's different type of contests based on your country, really. In America, there's really two types of contests that we do. 
In America, there are craftsmanship contests. I guess there's three. There's craftsmanship contests and masquerade contests. And there's also hall contests. Hall are just people that are just in a hall. They just get judged on the spot. And it's just kind of like a parade kind of style. The mm -hmm. other two are actually stage-based. So craftsmanship and masquerade. So masquerade is going to be based around a skit that you actually memorize some kind of skit or lip sync or song and dance that you perform within your costume. And it's from whatever property, pop culture that you're doing. And I don't do those very often. I do occasionally. My son and I have a masquerade that we work up lip syncing the Harry and Marv um, scene from Home Alone. So we do that one occasionally together, yeah. but most of the time I am a craftsmanship competitor and craftsmanship judging is what it sounds like. They're judging you on the craft. The more of your costume you make yourself, the higher you rank in the judge's eyes. So there are people that make like their shoes to their undergarments, to their wigs, like every single stitch they are wearing, they make. Do you have to prove that you made it? You bring in what you call a build book and you document, which is actually most of us that are competitive cosplayers have an Instagram account or something like that. That we have a following that you document your stuff as you're doing it and you share tutorials and learn from each other anyway. So you kind of have a docu built in documentation already, but you put together a build book that shows you working on it through the steps. And then the judges ask you how you did certain things. You have to be able to respond they're usually pretty good at picking up on it if you are just blowing smoke. <laughs> um, okay, so if you're making your own costumes, um, and I've seen some of your work on Instagram and, and, and other places, that's gotta take a lot of time. Uh, it's gotta take a lot of money. Um, so number one, for, a, for, for an, ex I guess, a competition level costume, how much time are you devoting to this? And then number two, are there cash prizes for winning? <laughs> is this, is there a return on an investment? Um, well, to answer your question, yes, there are cash prizes. Um, whether you're likely to win them or if they're likely to co cover the cost of your costume, probably not. Okay. So it is definitely an investment in joy more than mm -hmm. it is an investment in winnings. I enjoy it, I consider it my hobby. And so I, I spend money on it. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things, there are cosplayers who keep a budget and keep a log and tie, and write down everything. I don't like doing that because I don't like seeing how much I spend on my costume. I have a ballpark <laughs> estimate, yeah. but I just don't like having that in black and white. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But <laughs> they, they definitely can get pricey and especially, um, in some of the bigger competitions, I've competed in a few um, invitational competitions that you have to enter and they invite the best entries to come compete. And with those, you have to have nicer things to be on that level. So you're buying nicer fabrics and things like that. And so it's definitely going to get up there. There's some people that are putting like, it's one of those things that as it's beginning, getting more popular, everyone keeps upping the bar to where you have to do more to stay competitive. So um, to compete at an invitational level, you're putting electronics in your costume, you're putting smoke machines in your costume, you're putting all of this stuff in there. That's really keeping the ratcheting up the price level as you go. Yeah. And then you Are asked there... about time. Yeah. Um, time wise, 
being a school teacher, I usually work on them during the summer. I devote my summer to working on one big competition build a year. But since we've been on COVID, I've been working on more because I have more time to be at home because I don't leave the house because we're COVID hermits. Um, time as we, is as we all should be right now. Competition worthy. I spend about three months on, but it's not like eight hour days on those three months. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so are there people are, is everyone an amateur at this or oh. are there professional cosplayers? There are professional cosplayers. Absolutely. Um, competitions usually have different levels too. So when you first start competing, you start in the novice category, which means you haven't won anything. You're just starting off. Um, once you have won in the novice category, or if the judges just feel that you're really good, they'll move you up into what they call the journeyman category. Journeyman mm-hmm. is halfway. And then once you've won in the journeyman category, then you move up into the master's category. And then that's the top level. If you're considered a master cosplayer at one competition, then you're expected to compete at that level in all the competitions you compete in. And it's, I mean, it's honor system. There are people that don't compete where they should, but it's honor system, you know, but then there are people who make a living out of this. Um, I've met several of them that they started off just, making costumes and getting good at it but if you get good at it then you can start to get sponsorships where different companies will pay you to use their supplies to then continue to make your costumes and then you can get then hired by the conventions to be the judges so i have some people that i've competed against that have moved up the ranks that are now judges and they go around the country and do judging at conventions and usually when you do that you also get booked to have a booth at the convention floor where people like pay for autographs and things like that wow so is there an area of you mentioned comic books x-men um is there an area area that um when you are competing when you're going to these conventions is there a particular area of cosplay is it is it comics i know some people dress up as disney characters is there something that's kind of in your wheelhouse i mean it can cover the whole gamut people do all of it but for me personally i tend to stick more in the comic book and kind of nostalgia kind of for me i like going back to my childhood and playing around with that it's not always the case though i i mean for me personally it has to be something i have a connection with there are people who cosplay just something that they saw that they like. If I have not read the book or watched the show or really get into the movie, I don't like to do it because I want to be able to talk about it. Because a lot of times, like, little kids will run up to you and talk to you and they'll speak to you in jargon from that show. And I want to be able to, <laughs> I want to, be able to respond to them appropriately. I don't want to just, like, stare at this kid and be like, oh, okay, I don't know what you said. <laughs> so for me personally, I tend to stick that way. So I've done things from... Like for when I started with my kids, I was doing all classic 90s X-Men cartoon costumes with them. That's pretty much was my sweet spot for my kids. But I've moved on from there and doing things. I've stuck with X-Men. I've done Toy Story. Um, I have done Harry Potter stuff because I love the Harry Potter franchise. I've done He-Man and Hordak, that kind of things like that. So um, as, as long as I have a connection to it, I feel like I can do it. Are there, I guess my, my last question about all of this, well, there, I have two more, I have two more. Yeah, um, ask away. Sometimes when I see um, cosplay photos on, 
on television or they'll say, oh, that the San Diego Comic-Con, all these people came out or whatever. Um, some of them seem a bit more mature in content than yeah. others, whether that be scantily clad, whether that be violent or scary. Are, are there different categories in terms of that? Or is everybody, is it, if you're a master, you're a master, whether you're PG or PG-13? For the most part, people that are more attracted to the PG-13 side of things are not really the competitive cosplayers. Okay. Um, I don't know that it is necessarily a rule. I think it's more just that if you're going with the... Um, I'm treading lightly because I'm not saying anything negative about the people who choose mm -hmm. to do that. I'm just giving that as a different thing. But with the competition, you're trying to show that you've done more work. And I guess there's just physically less costume in a lot of those to show that you've done a lot of work. There's mm -hmm. not as many places to hide wiring and electric and things like that. So th <laughs> those yeah. don't tend to show up on the competition stage as much. They tend to be more, um, individuals and for like um, when people do have booths and things like that they'll have prints that you can buy and things mm -hmm. like that where that's more of the outlet for that kind of stuff yeah. and then when it comes to violence and things like that cons have gotten extremely strict about um, the way that you have weaponry and things like that to be shown and so that tends to limit that kind of stuff in competition it tends to be more just kind of I don't know run-of-the-mill cosplay i guess or competition with yeah have you have you you've competed in these have you won anything i have yeah i am i i have moved up to the master rank now because i've wanted my different levels there i've won a few i've not won best in show overall at mm -hmm. a con but i have won in my category i've won judges choice and then i've won specific things like best prop and best like little individual items like that. What might a category be? Would they be like what area of pop culture? Yeah, or... there are some, some cons are based in category. So you'll have like the movie category versus the comic book category versus the anime category. So it depends on the con. So I've won a, I've won a couple of those before. And then you also sometimes will have categories where it's like best needlework versus best foam armor because all this stuff that we build we build out of basically floor mats those foam floor mats mm -hmm. you put on the floor in like a garage that's basically what people use to make armor out of so they'll have best needlework best armor best special effect best weapon things like that category wise um and i'm assuming covid has really put a damper on <laughs> conventions and 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 competitions it has it's been terrible I've been really upset about it. I mean, I love, I mean, you love finding your tribe and I'm, I'm an artist and I'm a geek. And when you put those together, Comic-Con people, I mean, that's my people. So I love spending time there. I love going to Artist Alley. I love wearing my costumes and getting reactions out of them. So wearing my costumes around the house just isn't nearly as enjoyable. <laughs> So I, I miss all that. And there's a, there's a big cosplay community. Those of us that are part of it, I'm part of something called the Ohio River Valley Cosplayers, which is actually centralized in Louisville. So it's, it's the Orcs for short. But the, the Orcs are a big organization. There's like 2,000 of us that are connected to the Orcs along the Ohio River Valley here that 
when we go to cons, we have a booth and I lead panels at cons about how to do certain things and like how to make foam look like metal and how to make foam look like leather and things like that. So being a teacher, I really miss that. I like connecting with people. So I miss all that. And then I love competing. I've had, I have started, I guess, three different costumes since COVID's hit and I haven't finished any of them. I just keep starting new things because I don't have that goal to work towards to really kick me in the butt to make me really want to finish something. Yeah. But you know, it's like I keep telling my students, I don't know when, but this will pass. <laughs> Life yes. will go back to normal. I'm, I'm eternally <laughs> optimistic about that. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you uh, real quick in our last few minutes here is about, you've got an Etsy shop. That's, the, that's the, what it's called, right? Etsy? That, yeah, absolutely, uh, yes. Again, I'm showing my ignorance. And yours <laughs> is called Perler Tricks. Yes. Yep. Now, when I saw you posting some of this stuff, number one, are they called perlers? Those little yeah. bead things? Perler, okay. Perler beads. Yeah. I didn't know what they were called. I just knew them as the thing that your mom probably had me do a dozen of in vacation Bible school yep. throughout the years. Um, so number one, I didn't know what they were called. And so when I saw you posting them and, and with the Perler tricks name, I, I didn't, it took me a few minutes. <laughs> to figure out the little pun going on there. Um, but I have to say, as someone who, um, I'm, I'm not an art critic. I don't get it, but I, but, uh, but I like neat stuff. And this is some neat stuff um, that you, you have for sale on Etsy. Could you tell everybody what exactly you do in that space? Absolutely. So um, I teach AP Studio Art in my traditional high school art teaching job. And about eight years ago, I had a student who wanted to do a pixelated self-portrait. You've probably seen those where people just take a lot of dots and make a portrait. And so we decided to get the little plastic melty beads and figure out how to do that with her. So we did that and I bought a big old bucket of them. So I had way more than I really needed. And she was the only one that had interest in it. So I took them home over the summer and was like, what can I do with these? and just started playing with them. And basically it is a little kid's craft, like a little vacation Bible school craft. And I just started taking and making my own eight bit version, original designs of pop culture and kind of subverting the kid's craft and making it something more, I won't say adult, but something more pun worthy, I guess. Like I enjoy <laughs> making horror icons out of a kid's craft and like having uh -huh. like, Freddy Krueger with little bloody knives made out of a kid's craft is kind of subverting what it was originally made for. And I just find a lot of humor in that. So that's basically what I do. I take child beads and make eight bit versions of pop culture icons from the eighties and nineties and minimalize them and make them into little bead craft. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at them right now and I see, <laughs> I see a lot of, uh, like classic Nintendo, Super Mario Brothers. Um, uh, but then <laughs> I like your Golden Girls, your Golden oh, Girls you. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Rogers, Stranger Things. They're, they're really neat. I'm, I'm partial to this Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, oh, I have, a whole, <laughs> I have a whole World Wrestling Federation series there. <laughs> so, and, and for people who are, who are Disney fans, 
a whole host of of Disney uh, pieces yeah. that some some of which have uh, uh, that you could that are to be used, I guess, for for like a, a photo a uh, uh, picture frame. That's the word that I'm looking for. That would be it. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. So really, really neat stuff. I'm assuming that. Um, I'm assuming that we're probably heading up on um, one of the more popular times for people to to hit up your Etsy shop because they look like they would make really neat, uh, pretty inexpensive gifts for the like for the geek so. in your life. Yeah, they definitely are good for the hard to shop for person who just happens to have one sweet spot of pop culture that they really like. Yeah, and how, um, this is a very technical question, I guess. How <laughs> how durable are they? Are, you know, like, I get that question all the time. And whenever I, I usually sit up at a lot of art fairs, of course, those have been canceled this year with COVID as well. And I always have a parent whose kid grabs one and the parent freaks out and wants to put them back. My kids have played with them for years. They've gotten old enough so they don't play around and break them or anything. But they, if I make one wrong, if I melt it incorrectly, I just added it to their toy box and <laughs> yeah. they stayed. So they, they are pretty reliable. I, this is getting into more like specifics of my other geekdom here. People in the perler crafting world, some people are one-side melters and some people are two-side melters. I just melt really hard on one side. And it tends to make them durable. See, I I didn't know. Again, I didn't know there's a perler craft uh, world either. And it's crazy, what's out there? For for those of you listening, all I think we're up to about thirty eight people. For hey. those of you listening, there is a you've got some really cool album covers that you've done here. There's a so for the Hamilton fans, I see one of those here. That the Hamilton cover, a Wicked cover. I really enjoy seeing what I can get away with, like how much I can like minimalize them and subtract away from them, but still be able to get the idea across to someone. Yeah. And then correct me if I'm wrong. There's also like uh, some, some bow ties or, or oh, yeah. ribbons or things of that nature too. Yeah. So really cool things that, uh, that again, I gotta say, even as somebody who, who doesn't know anything, these things are neat and and you should <laughs> do yourself a favor if you are looking for a gift for um for the geek in your life or just the person who likes uh pop culture or 80s stuff or whatever um check it out brian where can people if people are interested in seeing your cosplay stuff or learning more about uh your etsy uh shop where can they go where can they find you on social media and everything of that nature? So Perler Tricks is my handle. I use that for my Etsy shop and for my cosplay. When I fell into cosplay, I already had my Etsy shop going. So I just took that moniker on as well. So you can find me at Perler Tricks on Instagram, Facebook, Etsy, YouTube, Pinterest. All of them are at Perler Tricks. All right. And then do you have, do you have, maybe, I don't know, it might be a closely guarded secret. Do you have, uh, you mentioned you've got th several projects you're working on now for cosplay. Is there anything in the works that you're, you're looking forward to having a big reveal in the coming months or, or whenever? Yeah, absolutely. I am currently working on a samurai Darth Maul to be part of a samurai Star Wars group. 
There you go. Samurai Star Wars. And you could see, can we see pictures of that if we follow you on social media? Yeah. Um, I have finished my, he, he's going to have a leather Oni mask and then your traditional samurai gi and things like that. I've gotten that stuff done, but I'm starting to work on the armor right now. Cool, cool. So there you have it. Go look up Perler Tricks, Etsy, Instagram, all that sort of stuff to see all this cool thing and see why I decided to reach out to Brian and say, hey, uh, stop by. Well, Brian, I enjoyed it. It's good catching up with you. I feel yeah, like I've learned well. a lot. <laughs> I, 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 uh, maybe one day I will go to a convention just to, <laughs> just to see all this stuff now because I'm intrigued. Well, I absolutely think you should. You will enjoy it. All right. Well, today we talked about teaching, we talked about cosplay, and we talked about perler beads, among other things. <laughs>